0: Many of you probably know who Deepak Chopra is. He's a doctor, an author, a lecturer, does seminars and such. He says that everything the mind can conceive is projected onto a 3D screen that we call the body. We do not in fact have a body and a mind, but a body-mind, one seamless web of intelligence. For the past few weeks, we have been using this book, Ernest Holmes, A New Design for Living, which is just that. And this week's topic is health, as in health is normal. We have this physical body that is constructed of material that is living, that's alive, that's dynamic, always in motion. It is constantly adapting to its surroundings, for example, raising temperature, lowering temperature, depending on what we're dealing with, and also adapting to internal things. If there's something that is there that does not belong there, it might raise temperature and look like a fever or something like that. There's a whole system of nerves and pathways that carry messages from the brain to all different parts of the body that direct movement and reflexes and vision and so much more. All of this is done without our participation. It just happens. That's just how it works. And it's organized in such a way to reflect that there must be something that organizes it, some intelligence that does that. And in this book of Ernest Holmes, he says that everything in the physical world, animate, inanimate, is the result of some organizing factor, some purposeful activity, a formative element that indicates that there is intelligence involved. That's what we encounter in the body. The body in structure and function is a mass of dynamic material held together by intelligent organizing factor. That's what designed it. That's what operates it. And the body is continuously rebuilding and repairing and replacing. It is said that in a year's time, all the cells are new. That in the space of a year, everything is renewed and replenished so that nothing in the body, cell-wise, is the same as it was a year before that. The body just does that the body is constantly regulating itself, mending itself, curing itself, as evidenced by when we get a scratch or a bruise or something like that, the body just begins to heal itself. So that health is not creating anything. It is revealing something that is already perfect. Wait for it. The biggest single factor in upsetting the natural balance of the body is thought. What we are thinking, our atmosphere of thought, affects our body. Some believe that at least 90% of our physical conditions, our illnesses, our ailments, are the direct result of thought patterns, thought patterns that are apparently contradictory to the spiritual pattern of a perfect and healthy body. So just like last week, talking about success, we come back to the same thing that we consistently come back to, which is that thought is creative. That there is cause and effect, and thought is the cause. And in this case, our physical health is the effect. And this is a challenging topic to discuss. It's a challenging topic to address as evidenced by the fact that this, this, just for me, took a while for it to reveal itself, because we take this very personally, which is understandable. It is personal. It's our experience. It's our body, our health, our thought. But this is not about finding fault. This is not about doing something wrong. It's not about blaming ourselves. It's a continuation, a light shown, if you will, on what we talk about here, like I said before, all the time, which is that what we think and what we believe contributes our experience. And this means our experience, our total experience, and that means physical as well. And this is a rough patch, a rough topic, a sore subject, if you will, for many of us, because we get caught up in blaming ourselves, asking ourselves what is wrong with us, what is wrong with our consciousness, what is wrong with our thought, rather than using what's happening to us physically as a signpost for what might be going on in our heads. And I'm here to tell you that much of what's going on in your head is none of your business. It's none of your business. Much of it just landed there. Just landed there. Furniture, started hanging up pictures. As a result of generations of what we call race consciousness. Race consciousness is the tendency to reproduce what the race has thought or experienced, and by race here we do not simply mean um, white or, <clears throat> excuse me, African American or Hispanic. Or we don't mean that, although that is that contributes as well. What we mean by this is the culture in which, from time starting to now, the experience of everyone on the planet. That that is the group consciousness, the soup, if you will, and each of us takes part in that. So it is not as simple as blaming yourself. Not that you want to blame anybody else either. I'm just saying (laughs) that this contributes to it. So it is an oversimplification to think, oh my God, this is my fault, I did this, what is wrong with me? A, that's not true, and B, it's not helpful at all. Because then not only are you ill, but then you feel like crap about yourself. So either way, that that doesn't work. And this race consciousness goes undetected. Most of what's in your mind is none of your business. If we do not know what it is, it runs us. It runs us. And that's why we want to know what it is. So one really good example of race consciousness is flu season. What is that? <laughs> we generally think of four seasons, except for those of us in the Pacific Northwest. I think we got <laughs> <laughs> one or two. It's hard to tell. <clears throat> anyway, when I was in school, low those many years ago, I was taught there were four seasons. Winter, spring, summer, fall. There was not a flu season in there. (laughs) We just made that up. And to the extent that we as a society believe that there is a flu season, there is. There is. Oh, and this just in, you probably need to know this. Flu season has now been expanded. It is now cold and flu season just so you're prepared. So <clears throat> this is not about finding fault. It's about finding thought. And one really obvious way of illustrating this is the placebo effect. And I'm sure most of you, if not all of you, know about that. Initially, it was begun doing trials for prescription drugs and stuff like that. And so they'd give some people the real drug, and they'd give other people the placebo, and they didn't tell them. They just told everybody, this is going to fix you. Well, what they discovered was that lots of the people who were given placebos and told this would cure them, it did. And there was nothing in there but sugar. Sugar taken with a dose of belief, and they were cured. See, we create our reality based on what we have faith in. And Deepak Chopra says that reality is not a given. It is a possibility that we shape and we control. And we shape and we control our reality by what we are thinking, by what we have faith in. And sometimes when there are discussions about faith, you will hear someone say, I don't have that. Yeah, you do. Because we all have faith in something. All of us have faith in something. If we have faith that things won't turn out, they don't. If we have faith that if anything yucky is going to happen, it's going to happen to us, it will. If we have faith that we live a life that is powerful, then we do. So we all have faith in something. It's a question of what we have faith in, and we can choose what that is. So when it comes to the body, it is obvious, I think, that the body is designed perfectly. That it knows exactly what to do, when to do it, how to do it. Ernest Holm called it the perfect pattern of health. So like everything, there's an intelligence that creates and sustains this. And the nature of the body is to restore itself to perfect balance. Can we have faith in that? Can we have faith in knowing that the body has a built-in balance factor? That it naturally, organically, left to its own devices even, wants to do that. See, we believe that God is all there is. And that means us. So that means the truth of us then has to be the perfection that that is because it's all that there is. So regardless of appearances... That truth remains, and what that means is that there is that within us that has never been harmed, never been touched, never been altered. We don't have the power to do that. Some call that our essence or God's self or whatever it is. That is the truth of us underneath everything, including what might appear otherwise. The thing is, the power of that belief is if God didn't put it there, then it does not have power. And sometimes it's really important to remember that, because remember, regardless of the condition, then, we have to know that. We have to know on some level, even if we can't feel it right now, we have to know that there is that within us, which we came in with and which we'll go on with, that is perfect. And so that means that we have faith in that. And so that means that while we are dealing with whatever we are dealing with, we keep our eye on the ball. We keep our eye on God. And that doesn't mean we don't take the pill or we don't do the surgery. And sometimes that's a tough call. I made it a few months ago, almost a year ago, in fact, when I had both my knees replaced, bilateral knee replacement, it's called, plus the other bunch of fancy words. There's a whole lot of stuff out there about the baby boomer generation. That the baby boomer generation is more active than previous generations, and therefore our joints are going to fail. So all of us are going to have this, and we're going to have that, and whatever. Well, somewhere in here, that got in there. And that's what I believe, is that it got in there. And I was aware of that. Because if that were true, then everybody that's 63 years old is going to have to have knee replacements, right? Well... So I knew this, which is why it took me so long to agree to the procedure. Because I thought, well, that would look lame. Here I am, (laughs) no pun intended, here I am, you know, a minister, a religious science minister, and I'm having surgery. What does that say? Well, what it says is that that's where I was at the time, and that I was not willing to be unable to walk, which is what was happening. (coughs) Does it make me less of a person? No. But you can bet your life and mine, because I did, that I went through the whole thing with a whole bunch of prayer, a whole bunch of prayer about remembering who I was so I would not get caught up in thinking that that's who I was. Because it isn't. And do I feel like I failed? No. Do I feel like I still got some work to do? Uh Uh-huh. That's why I do it. I believe that we all do. So it does not diminish us to use the other technology that is here on the planet as well. And again, I think it's really important that we accompany that with some support and some prayer to remember that this condition does not define who we are. See, there's a spiritual pattern of perfection and wholeness as this physical body. And we're talking about a relationship here. We're talking about a relationship between our mind and other aspects of us. One does not exist without the other. And so our belief, our mental attitude is everything. It's everything. Can we believe, can we have faith in spiritual perfection and wholeness? Can we have faith in that even as we are walking through something that does not look like that at all? Can we still have faith in that? Because our focus needs to be on the truth, not on the condition. And sometimes that's challenging when we're in the midst of something, when we're having chronic pain, when we're experiencing some other thing that doesn't feel or look like that. Ernest Holmes writes that better health starts with the knowledge backed by conviction and belief that there is only one life, that life is God, that life is perfect. And that is the only source, the only cause, of every perfect action and function. So the mind and the body are part of a whole fabric of who and what we are. They're related. One is absolutely enmeshed in the other. There's a quote in Science of Mind that says that the body is is an effect, not a cause. Bodies and conditions never move. They are moved upon. So once again, we're back at cause and effect. And once again, we're recognizing that thought is cause. So we begin at the beginning. What do we believe? What have we put our faith in? And as we've talked about before, faith is something like lots of other stuff that can be cultivated. And we start with what we have faith in now. And ask ourselves, what do I believe now? What do I what would I I take that to the bank? I know that's true. We need to know what that is. And to the extent that we wish to live a life of faith in perfection, We need to start with the belief that if God didn't build it, it doesn't belong there. Simply put. It has no power whatsoever. None. It can leave as fast as it showed up, whatever it is. See, we don't have to direct our heart to pump blood. We don't have to direct our lungs to breathe us. They just do that. They know how to do that. Every aspect of our body is designed... It's just amazing. It's amazing. And so far, we as humans, with all the creativity that we have revealed, have not quite been able to reveal that yet. We revealed a lot of stuff, but not not this perfection. It's it's amazing. So the design is perfect, the blueprint's flawless. But it doesn't exist by itself. It exists with in as us, as human, with our own thoughts, and the thoughts of everybody, the whole soup. So we need to start where we are, figure out what we have been placing our faith in, and as Dr. Phil says, how's that working for you? And if it's working for you, then keep it. If it's not, change it. Using the same technology that you used to create the, the, the thought in the first place, the belief in the first place. So we have to start at the beginning, and the beginning has to be a faith in the perfection and wholeness, that innately there is a perfection in us that we can't alter. We're not responsible for it. It just is what it is. And then we need to pay attention to what we are thinking, what we are feeling. And we pay attention to our responses. When we're feeling sick or in pain. We observe how we respond. Do we tighten up and resist the experience? That would be moi. That was my mo. I literally would object, just like in Perry Mason. You know, I object. (laughs) No one cared. (laughs) (laughs) You know, demand to see the manager. You know, there's, there's, but I realized that that's what I did for decades. It's like, no, 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 no. I don't want this. Well, look at that. Look at what's that going to produce? Probably more of what you're already not dealing with. See, I think if we can believe that God is all there is, and that means us, then we can be curious rather than fearful when something seems to be going wrong. So our first response could be one, can be one of curiosity rather than one of fear or resistance. And the first question might be, so what do you need? Literally, just talking to your body, you know, what do you need? What are you trying to tell me here? Because the body is awesome, and it is telling us stuff all the time. Sometimes it's just telling us to slow down. Slow down. So we need to pay attention to what's going on in our head and what we might be telling ourselves, and also what we might be holding on to. Anger and resentment can and do show up as very specific illnesses in our bodies. And what we hang on to can show up as chronic pain. Our bodies hold a lot, a lot. They're trying to tell us something. And we can learn to listen. In The Essential Ernest Holmes, there's a story about a woman who came to see Ernest a few months after she had surgery because she was having these excruciating abdominal pains. And the weird thing is that they occurred at the same time every day, between 4 and 5 o'clock. Well, of course, he started treating her right away and was seeing some progress. And then during that time, all of a sudden, she remembered what happened when she came out of surgery. She was coming out of the general anesthetic in the recovery room, and there were two nurses there talking, discussing her her case, specifically the fact that they didn't think she was going to pull through. And one of them told the other one, I'm thinking, 4 or 5 o'clock, she's going to be out of here. Well, she didn't remember that for a while, but it landed in there. And when stuff lands in there, we think it's true. It's just like fact. It's just like Barack Obama's birth certificate. (laughs) If enough times someone says, you know, well, it's it's not real, it's not real, guess what? There are millions of people. Well, it's not real. You know, we want to see proof. I mean, a lie repeated often enough becomes the truth. And check out what we're using. The technology we're using to to do that is our thought. Our individual and group thought. So it needs to say this woman recovered. And was fine. So what is going on in the subconscious? And that's the part we don't know about. That's the most important part. Until we start tapping it. And then the most important part becomes our own awareness of it. And our own awareness of the truth. Because the truth is always more powerful than something that is not. And there is only one power, and illness is not it. It says in the Bible, it came to pass. As near as I can tell, I cannot find anything that says it came to stay. (laughs) So we focus on what we want, we practice developing our faith in what is the truth of us, which is God is all there is, and that means us, with the understanding that perfect health is the truth of us, so that health is normal, and it's true. I'm going to close with something I found in Ernest Holmes that I paraphrased just a little bit. I'm going to ask you to do this with me, if you're willing. I invite you to close your eyes for just a moment, if you're comfortable doing that. And just for right now, and for the next minute or two, I invite you to forget any bodily discomfort or pain or any other symptom which distresses you, which you notice. Try to just let it go. And know with me that your body is the house in which God dwells. That God is in you as you. That God is what you are. There is only one life, that life is God, that life is perfect, and that is your life now. Your body is the manifestation of the living spirit. Your body, your whole life, is God's thought moving upon itself, and that is what you are. You are created and sustained by that one presence and that one power, and that power is flowing in and through you now, animating every organ, every activity, every function of your physical body. There is perfect circulation, perfect assimilation, perfect elimination, perfect function in all ways, in every part of your body. You are one with the infinite rhythm of life which flows through you as love, as harmony, as peace. And there is no doubt, no uncertainty. There is only one life. That life is God. That life is your life now let us pray. So in this moment of remembering, I'm remembering that there's one thing going on here and only one thing, and that's God. By whatever name we choose to call it, it is all that there is, existing in its perfection, in its wholeness, in, through, and as, all that exists, and that includes me. The truth of me is God, the perfection of God, expressing as me. And because I know this for myself, I know it for every single being in this room this morning. The truth of every single one of us is God, the perfection of God, the truth that is God, the wholeness that is God. That's the truth. So I speak this word of willingness for everyone in this room now, affirming a willingness to open up to the possibility that that perfection means you, that the only power expresses through you as you and that there is nothing that can diminish that truth. Nothing. No circumstance, no illness, no event, no choice, nothing. That is a truth of you that you came in with, and that is a truth of you that you will leave with. And I'm grateful to know this. I'm grateful to know that God is all there is, and that means every single one of us. And in gratitude and absolute certainty, I release this word, knowing that it's true, knowing that God always says, yes, I let it be, and so it is. is. Thank you.